0: Central. Hello there, and welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast. With you every Friday morning on your favorite podcasting app, or of course Friday evenings with RTE Radio. Our show this week is kindly sponsored by Logicalis in association with IBM, and we'll find out more about them later. My name is Dusty Rhodes. You welcome to show number eight hundred and ninety-three, and joining me as ever is our editor-in-chief Niall Kitson. Uh, Niall, kind of one of the things we've been talking about during. the week this week is just about tech and communication and the word over and load. Over and load, yeah. Well, we've had a strange year
1: in Mm. that we've had a new method of communication Foisted upon us, well, not new, but I mean one that one that we're used to using in a kind of familial setting with with Skype. We've had the the rise of Teams and WebEx and Zoom and video conferencing that we're doing on a weekly basis, some people on a daily basis, we just haven't had before. And it's it's a good chance to sort of give pause to the various ways that we're communicating across the various networks, across various media, and the extent to which it's putting pressure on us to respond to people uh, in certain ways. Mm. So, for example, you're in a business meeting mm. and a WhatsApp message comes in from somebody you kind of know. Maybe it's in a WhatsApp group or something like that. Uh, or maybe you get an email and you see it's something and it's from somebody may, maybe you know a little bit, but you, you get a feeling it's either, you know, a, an automated message or something like that. And you give these things the um, the attention that you think it deserves, and if somebody has sort of put in a message in a whatsapp group and you agree with or whatever you don't write you know yes i wholeheartedly agree with this message and it's you just put a thumb Mm. and it has taken you what 10 seconds to engage with that five seconds even because you're doing something else that's more worthy of your time to which the person on the other end of the message might go well okay they've agreed with me but hang on like i mean that i took time to put together idea and you've just given me a a thumb like what's what's that about that sometimes people take these things not as sort of a a sincere communication Mm. um but as a sort of almost a fob off because it's so easy just to put in an emoji and just fire something off so
0: do you know what i'm finding exactly the same thing but it's in whatsapp groups yeah and it's kind of you're reading them going yeah 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 to yourself do you know what i mean and then somebody go why didn't you take part why didn't yeah. you jump in with your comment or something like that? Like you yeah. know, and you do get that. Like you know, what is it? Why didn't you like my post? Yeah. <laughs> why didn't you yeah. come? Why didn't you share it?
1: Like, yeah. And these things are are genuine stressors. I mean, mm. some of the stats from America are really interesting. Like the average American has forty seven unread text messages at any mm. given time, sixteen hundred unopened emails, not even you know, not replied, but unopened, mm. uh, and they still spend. hours a day looking at their phone on screen time. What? So, and I have to admit, I'm up around the four hour mark myself.
0: Now, when you say that, are you talking about sitting in front of a laptop screen and a TV screen, or are you exclusively talking about being in front of your smartphone screen?
1: Smartphones and mobile devices. So I'm up around four hours myself. But it does speak to the level of productivity Mm. people are actually having on these devices which ostensibly are meant to be about communication but um people are getting emails they're not opening them they're not replying to them uh, somebody gets a text message i got a text message a couple of months ago and i was convinced it was automated um and i'm now coming to the belief that it was not automated and it was actually a very sincere message from somebody i had met <laughs> Um, through, through you know, the industry. So yeah. I, I thought something was automated and it most likely wasn't. I, I never pursued it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, thankfully nothing too personal. But, uh,
0: do, do you think that, we're the, that modern society is... You, you mentioned productivity. Do you think we mm. are actually more productive? No, I don't.
1: Um, Mm. because the number of avenues people have to get to us has created sort of a hierarchy. Mm. Um, As I said, you know, if somebody sends you a text message, does that get to you more than a WhatsApp message, if you know what I mean? If If you get a text message, who do you think you are more likely to get a text message from? Somebody within your family or, you know, a friend? Interesting. Never looked at it that way. Because Because, funny enough,
0: I would prioritise a text message over a WhatsApp message.
1: Yeah, because I know the people that would use a text message Mm. are people that wouldn't necessarily be as tech savvy, which in my family refers to a very small amount of people. Yeah. So I'd be more likely to respond well to a text message, less likely to respond to a WhatsApp message because I'm in groups uh, and some groups that i'm in you know i'm not i don't really know the people involved so it's not mm. it's not a huge thing however on facebook messenger i've got uh, i've got family members that are there and that's kind of their primary method of communication mm. with me so you know I, I would sort of go okay text message facebook messenger probably uh, or whatsapp depending on who in the whatsapp is is actually there yeah, yeah. so once you sort of shave off that family tier uh, and then email I mean, they're they're the only people communicating with me by email these days are work related in some way. Oh shape yeah, or form. absolutely.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. True, true. And then not only have you got you know WhatsApp and your social media and your email, and now you've got Slack.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. The the sort of the the middle child uh, of all <laughs> of all these formats. Um, it's like yeah, the, they a-
0: say there's the right to turn off.
1: Mm. But you don't really turn off, do you? Well, you've the right to disconnect from your work. But again, you still have so many avenues for people to contact you, Mm. people who you might actually work with anyway. That's what I'm
0: saying. The message is going to come through. Even if you don't read it, you're going to be aware that there's one there. And Mm. human nature being what it is, you'll probably have a quick look at it. And Mm. maybe there'll be something on your mind as you're trying to go to sleep.
1: Yeah. And here's the thing. There's also the element of FOMO, the fear of missing out, that if something is actually posted uh, to a group, for example, uh, something that you might have had the opportunity to engage with but Mm. decided not to or put something very token in there, you might miss something very important or something, you know, possibly, you know, of personal value. And again, that's another stressor. And yeah. you, you have to start racking these up that, you know, before there was email and it was a bit annoying. But now you've got all these ways to get to you. And, you know, it's, it does start to get sort of annoying and then a bit depressing when these things start stacking up and stacking really? up. Because you look at your phone. What are the first things that greet you? You know, little numbers for the messages you haven't replied to yet. Um or even opened, let alone ones that you've actually
0: opened and not replied to yet. Here's here, something here, here, I'm fairly guilty of. Here's how I've I've sorted all of this out because I don't think I'm half as stressed as you are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, and and here's my solution, okay? Okay. If it's important enough, mm-hmm. they will phone me. Oh. That's if a good it's one. important enough, their number will already be in my phone. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. All right. And that's it. OK, uh, I hear WhatsApp bips going off all the time. I hear my email or, or, my, or my text messages bips going on all day. I ignore them. I've turned off all the badges on those things as well. When I'm good and ready to have a look at my email, when I'm good and ready to have a look at WhatsApp or whatever it happens to be, then I will look at it. Hmm. Now, I'm probably in a lucky situation in that, like, kind of in, in my world, I'm the boss. Sure. So I've got lots of people working. You look after yourself. This is it, like you know. But I've got a lot of people working for me, and generally, I'll call them and say, Mm. "Why isn't this done? Yeah. Why have you missed the deadline? Or we need to get this done, or 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 whatever happens to be." Um, So maybe I'm a little bit fortunate, but that is that has been my way around it. I I just Mm. don't think years ago it occurred to me, and you will know this is true. Okay. When you go on holidays, you have got an amazingly stressful period for a couple of days or a week before you go trying to get everything Mm organised. You've got an amazingly stressful couple of days when you return trying Mm -hmm. to get organised and get back up to speed.
2: Mm.
0: The two weeks that you're away, nothing. And amazingly, the world continued. And the products got made and the magazines got published and the videos got put up online and everything just continued on without you. Yeah, yeah, very true. That's why when my phone bips, I don't. But I, 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 that, that was another thing I'd heard years ago um, mm. about a guy and uh, talking about time management. And he told a story about how he was coming home from whatever shopping, or he'd been work shopping. Anyway, he had uh, two bags in his hands and he heard the phone ringing in the house. This is how old this story is, right? Um, mm-hmm. But he said he was so stressed uh, um, with the fear of missing out that he tried to open the door, couldn't, dropped the bags of the, of the shopping, ended up rushing through the door anyway, forgetting it was a glass door. <laughs> breaking it, all right. Went through, picked up the phone, and the guy on the other end of the phone says, "Hello, sir. Would you be interested in buying a copy of the Encyclopedia Britannia?" <laughs> and it was that point he went, "Do you know what? <laughs> yeah, that's it." <laughs> and, and I, I kind of, I've kept that in mind since. And then with the holiday thing, and that's why I kind of think when the phone bips, well, I'll get so to uh, it
1: a good and ready. Good. Have you heard of Dunbar's number?
0: Uh, uh, it, it rings a bell. Yeah, okay. Uh, and so, uh, go on, tell me what it is. It Remind me what it is. It's a very
1: short version, right? Uh, Robert Dunbar was an anthropologist mm. and in the 1990s, he put forward this idea about the number of meaningful relationships an average person <gasps> ah,
0: can maintain. Yes, 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 yes. Go on.
1: And he said that the number was roughly 150. And he equated mm. this to brain size uh, and the average social group size. So mm. it's it's probably not as relevant today, given that the the group our social groups are so vast now, and we've got you know various strength of ties between them. So you know, 150 people is roughly what you could regard as your mm. your inner circle people yeah. that you would recognize and be able to have conversations with, and that sort of thing. And beyond that, it just starts to get. Almost theoretical. And when you think about the size of your networks, in particular on LinkedIn, where it's very important to get out and it's pretty much exchanging your business card with somebody. Mm. How many people do you actually keep up with on LinkedIn?
0: I I think LinkedIn is a bad example because LinkedIn is all business. You you don't have friends on LinkedIn. okay? Yeah. Um, Facebook, I think, is a good example because when Facebook started, one of the things was, I've got 2000 friends. Yeah. And it's like, no, you don't. <laughs> no, he's, and, and I had been I had been thinking about that. I didn't know about uh, uh, Dunbar Dunbar's number, but I had been thinking something similar in that. Well, out of those two thousand people, how many would you actually pay to come to your wedding?
1: Yeah, and that's well, probably I, I about a very small. I have a very small network of people on Facebook, uh, and I get, routinely I go through a call. And you know it's not meant to be insulting or anything. It's like you're grand. I just yeah. I haven't spoken to you in ten years. They're you're fine. We're not. We're not. You know, quote friends anymore. Life has moved on, um, and that's just that's just the way it is. Um, I mean, some people are great, and you keep up with them online and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. But there's some people. Just your your tie sort of gets it, it withers, and that's okay. That's part of life. You know, you don't have to you know feel upset about it.
0: I know. And there's a lot of people on Facebook who just lurk. They want to feel what other people. are. I find out of Facebook, even with, because I'm like you, I will call and I would ha- I would have less, I think I have less than 70 people on Facebook. Mm. And I know all of them. Yeah. Um, but I would say maybe only 10 or 15% of them actually post regularly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And the rest yeah. just use it as a means of communication or they use Facebook Messenger or whatever it happens to be. But it is kind of interesting that... Um, Dunbar has put that number on it, 150.
1: Done the 1990s, so probably a little bit antiquated by today's standards, but still worth thinking about. There we go.
0: Listen, that's that's communication overload. So Mm. be careful out there. Isn't that what they used to say in Hill Street Blues? That's it. (laughs) Be careful out there. <laughs> Thanks Nigel for uh, your thoughts on that. and uh, remember we do keep you up to date daily on all things tech uh, with hourly updates and daily newsletters if you uh, can fit it in uh, which you can grab for free at techcentral.ie. Tech
2: this
0: is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. Tech it's been a rough year in cybersecurity, but what lessons have we learned going into the new year in 2022? Our business is still putting more effort into cyber resilience? Or are we going to see another wave of horror stories with the same causes and outcomes? Winston Heron is a pre-sales consultant with Logicalis and he outlined his vision with Niall Kitson.
1: For anyone kind of struggling with a definition of what resiliency is at the moment, do you think it's been a case of people have been looking at things like Disaster recovery, antivirus, um, encryption, for uh, in different silos, as opposed to taking a more holistic approach and going, Do you know what, these are all parts of the same problem.
2: Uh, absolutely, yeah, no, and I think traditionally, um, you know, uh, there would have been a viewpoint of approaching those aspects in those silos of, you know, uh, business continuity planning, disaster recovery, anti antivirus, and so on. Whereas I think we're now transitioning to a more holistic approach of general cyber resiliency, where, you know, I, I think it's more of a framework of trying to ensure that we, you know, that a business identifies, protects, detects, responds, and recovers to um, cyber attacks and and, um, exposure to um, ransomware within their environment. So so no, definitely, I think from from a viewpoint of those silos, transitioning to a more holistic approach, factoring in not only new technologies that are available, but also then obviously the people and the processes uh, that need to go with those new technologies.
1: That certainly seems to be the the triad, all right, sort of the, the people, the processes and the technology that drive everything. So when you have been dealing with customers uh, in the past, either uh, out in the wild uh, or even just hearing about other people's experiences, what kind of problems are you seeing? Is it that sort of lack of joined up thinking that people go, actually, do you know what? There is sort of one way of dealing with these things as opposed to being bamboozled by maybe three or four separate markets
2: yeah no no absolutely and i, I think definitely um you know what, what we're seeing from clients is like i think there's always been challenges uh, with our clients in, in terms of having clear visibility of all of their data assets and infrastructure within their environment and then what what is the best method and methodology to actually secure those assets and to secure that data and i think a lot of the challenges that we're seeing with with our customers is they end up in a scenario where they have not only multiple silos from a security perspective in terms of antivirus, um, security uh, incident and event management, uh, endpoint protection, Data protection and so on. Um, that you know that they have they end up with multi vendors and multiple tools within their estate, which you know creates a sprawl of of tooling and adds to the complexity, uh, operational overhead costs and effort in skilling up people and resources to support that that environment with with a multitude of different uh, tools and solutions and platforms to uh, and, and ensure a best practice security posture.
1: And when you're dealing with clients, are there elements of those tools that people are looking at and realizing these are actually areas we haven't been considering before, particularly looking at the data protection end of things where perhaps there is more of a, a policy and a governance element to it as opposed to just a pure tool?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Certainly from a, a policy and governance perspective. Uh, so even in terms of uh, governance, risk and compliance, there is definitely a, a much more of a focus in these areas where they're realizing that if they don't take a more holistic, comprehensive approach to their security posture and security strat- strategy, that indeed there, there is gaps in certain areas that they, haven't, that they may have historically not considered. So, um, no, that, that's for definite.
1: So when you're, uh, actually discussing sort of companies' needs, are people coming to you with sort of horror stories, if you will, or are they coming with sort of a, a shopping list of buzzwords that they might have seen on a, on a tech website, for example, like Tech Central?
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think it's probably a bit, bit of a mix. So certainly we would have had customers that have encountered horror stories, um, in, in terms of from both a security and a data protection perspective. And then obviously you've got those customers that have heard of other customers going through horror stories and you know it, it rings alarm bells and prompts them to start exploring uh, the, the gaps within their environment from a security and data protection perspective. So um, that that's certainly uh, something that's evident certainly in the last year with uh, some of the most recent uh, ransomware attacks that our customers have been approaching us to, to bolster up their uh, security uh, posture.
1: Part of that, of course, is getting the, the word out that very often the weakest part of a, a security chain is the person sitting at the laptop, sort of opening that link or maybe getting a little bit too curious about a website they shouldn't. When you're looking at cyber resiliency, what part of that uh, pertains to outreach as well and educating people that are sort of at, the, at that end point?
2: yeah no absolutely so so tooling is only one part of the equation, but absolutely a uh, user education is is critical in ensuring a better security uh standpoint and and ensuring that users are aware of the impact that you know as as you've indicated clicking on a particular link or going to a particular website could expose um both their endpoints and, and just the network in general within their infrastructure environment to potential uh, uh, cyber attacks. So the Another, user, edu- user education is, is critical.
1: Another element that we've become familiar with over the past year, of course, is the, uh, the, the recovery effort, if you will. Um, how do you see uh, technologies around recovery evolving? Is it becoming a matter of, okay, let's get, all our assets in the one place, let's apply a common standard? Or is it still kind of horses for courses, sort of? Here is a tiered approach for the information that we're looking at. And perhaps we've got uh, a different policy, maybe towards long-term backups.
2: No, uh, absolutely. And I think there's more focus now um, on just the general backup and recovery, disaster recovery and business continuity uh, methodologies that companies have in place. So, so certainly, you know, backup and back recovery to tape, uh, snapshot technology on primary storage, um, uh, backup to tape, backup to secondary, stor- uh, secondary storage, that, that's nothing, there's nothing new there. But certainly what we're seeing is advancements in both the technology uh, and also in the, the automation capabilities of um, primary and secondary storage systems to... Allow companies to respond much quicker and recover much quicker from uh, data corruption events. So, um, so say for example, uh, we we would have a lot of customers that um, leverage uh, IBM uh, storage technologies, and you know, apart aside from the the native. Um, synchronous and asynchronous replication capabilities within um, IBM systems, for example, uh, and, and snapshot technologies, uh, one thing that we're definitely seeing a lot more from coming from our customers is a requirement for immutable storage. So, and I guess the, the, the aspect of immutable storage uh, gives companies a, a, a layer of security so that um, with immutable storage, copies of their data cannot be tampered with. So once data is moved into an immutable storage repository, it cannot be tampered with, it it cannot be deleted, it cannot be modified. So and that provides a level of uh, ransomware protection. So we're both seeing uh, capabilities around logical air gapping uh, and also physical air gapping in terms of, say, for example, with tape storage technology, where we we have a, a data repository that's completely offline and, and secondary to the primary uh, storage system.
1: I think a lot of people will be surprised to hear that tape is still being used uh, in the wild. That one imagines that the kind of media that are being used uh, to back up data are, are perhaps evolving maybe at a slower pace than sort of uh, other technologies that we're familiar with than cloud. To what extent is tape still being used out there?
2: No, it's a, it's a very valid point, and uh, absolutely, we have uh, many customers which are still, which still have tape and are still investing in tape, so they're buying new tape solutions uh, as of today. And I think it comes back to you know not not having all of your eggs in one basket. So and it comes back to the the concept of having multiple copies of your data. So you know it even comes down to the three two one principle, where you've got three copies of your data on two different storage media types, and one copy of that data is off-site. So, and then leveraging solutions such as, as tape, for example, it can be your off-site. You can also have a secondary storage solution, which is off-site. And you can also have a secondary solution, which is within your primary data center on-premise, um, which allows for faster local restores as opposed to having to tra- traverse a WAN link in order to be having to do a recovery from an off-site system. But I think it's having that consideration of you know having multiple copies of your data for different use cases, so obviously for that local repository uh, on-site for quick restores, and then the off-site repositories, um, whether that be to a disk-based media or tape. So, say, for example, tape will naturally give you that air-gapped storage capability, which ensures that, you know, ransomware cannot attack that tape-media you know, once it's obviously been removed from the tape system, so uh, yeah, definitely tape tape is is alive and well, and you know there's there's much investment still going into uh, LTO tape media, for example, and uh, many of the public cloud providers will use and are using tape as a as a backup um, uh, mechanism.
1: Another point that you raised there was the role of automation. Uh, Where exactly does uh, automation sit within the sort of the the resiliency milieu, if you will?
2: Yeah, so I think automation uh, gives companies an ability to remove the the risk from user user intervention or user operation in data protection activities. So it ensures a kind of a consistent, repeatable approach to data protection. So, I think that that's one of the key benefits of uh, automation um, within your data protection environment. And I think, in addition to automation, I think another key change, because, you know, tape backups, uh, backup to disk media, you know, disaster recovery, replication, snapshots, that that's not a new concept. That's been around for four years. But I think certainly um, the ability to respond to recover much quickly much much faster to have um immutable storage repositories but also to be able to get a visibility into your various storage repo- storage repositories is probably one of the key advancements that we would see with our customers so all of our customers that leverage uh, IBM storage technologies for example would also leverage IBM's um uh uh, visibility and monitoring tools to give an insight as to the, the, the performance, the availability and the utilization of those storage systems, which can also help within that the detect and respond phase of, you know, ascertaining, is there an anomaly? Is there something occurring within my uh, data environment, within my storage environment, which is indicating that an attack is occurring uh, within the estate?
1: So doing a little bit of futurology and, and looking towards the coming years, what sort of developments are really exciting you at the moment?
2: Um, so I, I think, so, so, I mean, in terms of actual storage systems themselves, there's, there's much advancement going on in, in terms of uh, storage media. Um, so say, for example, um, you know, flash storage is advancing continuously, um, even in terms of that, that performance Level that you can get with storage systems today, in terms of advancements to thirty-two gig fiber channel, for example, um, uh, f- flash-based um, uh, storage media. So, say for example, IBM has a flash core modules, which is a which have built has built-in compression and uh, inc- encryption within those flash modules, which really takes a kind of flash storage to the next level in terms of not only performance but critically that hardware-based native encryption. And there's other providers and vendors that will provide something similar in terms of um, encryption and compression capabilities. But yeah, definitely, you know, NVMe storage, storage class memory, um, they're on the market today. And, you know, that they will advance as, as time moves forward. And I think also in terms of uh, the, the insights that we can get now um, in terms of storage, uh, and also optimization of storage systems. So we, we would now have many customers that are now looking at, you know, application performance monitoring. Um, so say, for example, we'd have customers looking at um, IBM and Stana and, and Turbonomics to give the next level of, of visibility within not just their, their, their storage environments, but all the way up into their application uh, estate.
0: That was Winston Hearn from Logicalis chatting with Niall Kitson. If you'd like to find out more about what Logicalis and IBM can do for your business, email ibm at ie.logicalis.com. That email address in the show notes on your podcast player right now. On another note, this month, we're also looking for your experience and opinions around cyber resilience. Please do take part in our short survey. You'll find that at Tech. Beat.ie that's it for our show this week. Do remember, you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with early updates, daily newsletters, and more at our website techcentral.ie, or of course, listen to us each week online or Fridays with RTE Radio One Extra. Until next time, from myself, Dusty Rhodes, and from Niall Kitson. As always, thanks for listening and have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at TechCentral.ie.